Hello, Patriots. This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. Bringing you insight from outside the mainstream, I am your host, Ryan. Today, we're talking about misinformation on TikTok. We'll talk about how Martha's Vineyard residents believe in borders after all. And we have Biden declaring the pandemic over. Next, on Living with Liberty. As we start today's show, please do me a favor. Whatever platform you are listening or are viewing on, please hit that subscribe button. It will give you an alert whenever a new Living with Liberty is published, and the subscriptions help us get into the recommendations made by the different platforms so others can find the show. All right, starting off today, I have an uh, AP story here titled, TikTok Riddled with Misinformation. Someone thinks this is actually a story. It's not a surprise that a social media platform, especially a video-based one, is riddled with misinformation. Now, this is from the story. Uh, it says this. Researchers at NewsGuard searched for content about prominent news topics on TikTok and say they found that nearly one in five of the videos automatically suggested by the platform contained misinformation. Again, this is not surprising that TikTok is a place that has misinformation, and, and who knows? Is it really misinformation, or is it just someone in the media deemed it misinformation, right? Uh, I did check out NewsGuard. To their credit, uh, they do investigate and put both sides of the story out there. Um, they... Had, they had this story about misinformation on TikTok, but they also had one, as I looked the other day, about Democrats pushing pink slime or, or, or the, and the falsities around that. So to, to be fair about NewsGuard, they do seem to look at both sides. Now, do they lean slightly one way over the other? Possibly. They're a news organization, so I'm sure they do. But they did the research. And uh, they're deeming this some misinformation, so that's what we'll go with here. Again, not a surprising thing that there's, in general, misinformation on TikTok, both sides, right? So the whole thing about this is, is we are in an age of sensationalized news, and it's not only the national news broadcast, it's not only the writers, but it's people blogging and vlogging every day, looking to get those clicks. So it's not surprising that there's misinformation or half-truths out there. It's the shocking headlines and, that, and stories that get the most clicks. That, that's the goal here. We've, we reward people with clicks. We reward them for obviously sensational headlines by clicking on it, so people keep doing it. So it's not surprising that we have this misinformation out there. It's not surprising that the people making the videos on TikToks follow that same recipe of the national news organizations with the sensational headlines and, and trying to get those clicks and trying to get the likes and the shares. They're using the same model for success, a lot of them. You know, what I would like to see from NewsGuard is what uh, do the same analysis on legacy media outlets, whether it be the New York Times or Fox News, either one, both peddle. I'd say at times misinformation the New York Times, probably more so than others um, than Fox News. But 
Fox News, I've found a few times where they've sensationalized stuff, and it's might have maybe have been a half truth as well. News is today about uh, getting clicks. It's as much about entertainment. It's about getting clicks. It's about keeping the views high to keep their ad rates high. It's not about delivering factual information anymore. Factual information doesn't sell. Sensationally, uh, sensationalized news sells. That's the point here. That's why they do it. And again, we keep rewarding them by clicking on this crap and viewing this crap. Now, of course, no misinformation report is complete without pointing out counter narratives to the poison dart and how they are false, right? So this is where I diverge with NewsGuard a little bit in this in this story on um, what their findings are because the data is out there. Now, there is, again, misinformation about the jabs, right? We know that. There's obvious uh falsities to what people are saying about it, but a lot of the other things that get said about it are not false. It's backed up by data and the cognitive dissonance of the media and of, honestly, some of the medical community uh, buries it. So it's, it's, you know, not surprising again that they're saying, oh, well, you know, we found misinformation on TikTok about the vaccines. I say vaccine, right? But we know it's not really a vaccine. So here's what it said from the from the piece, from this AP piece on NewsGuard's research. It said this, searches for information about mRNA vaccine, for instance, yielded five videos out of the first 10 that contained misinformation, including baseless claims that the COVID-19 vaccine causes permanent damage in children's critical organs. Let's stop there. There's a problem with this. The problem with this view that is in this report is that the CDC's own website acknowledges that the jabs have caused myocarditis in adolescents, particularly males 16 and over. The Mayo Clinic acknowledges that severe myocarditis can cause heart attacks, which permanently damages the heart muscle. So how can you say that it's a false narrative that the vaccines, which trigger myocarditis, which can cause a heart attack, doesn't have the risk associated with it that it can damage critical organs. I'd say the heart's a pretty critical organ, wouldn't you? There's been study after study done on the effects of the jab. And as time goes on, more and more data becomes available on the effects of the jab and what it's doing to people's bodies. Now, I'll link a study of the Wu flu jab in uh, and how it's induced organ damage. It's a study by Dr. Michael Michael Parker, excuse me, and Dr. Sukarit Bhakti. And it's majority sourced from the work of a German pathologist named Dr. Arnie Burkhart. The study has been tagged by many outlets out there as misinformation, even though it has been created by doctors and is based heavily on the research of a pathologist who, oh, by the way, is, has the job to study the causes and effects of diseases on the body and by proxy, how these things develop from a uh, inserting a foreign object like this vaccine into somebody's body. That's what pathologists do. So right away, they're trying to discredit people whose job it is to look at this stuff. Now, the problem here with just dismissing this study is the cognitive dissonance 
of the people with the megaphone. And that is translating into counter-narrative medical studies being labeled as misinformation. We're told doctors know all, follow medical professionals' advice, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, some doctors do their research. They keep looking at the data. They keep following the scientific method because that's what we hear. It's science. And they're looking at things within their specialty, a pathologist. It goes against the narrative of the vaccine, of the the COVID jab being uh, something that's helpful. And all of a sudden, it's misinformation. That's cognitive dissonance defined right there. We've been conditioned to view vaccines as helpful to our health, as something that prevents diseases. They've been fantastic. Uh, we've, we've eradicated or nearly eradicated polio. Now, the question remains if we've really eradicated it, or is it more of we have the antibodies, so it's still out there, but it doesn't affect people. We know it's still out there because people that don't have the vaccine the co- or the polio vaccine get uh, polio sometimes. So we know it's still floating out there. So eradicated may not be the best word, but it, you know it, it's prevented a lot of people from contracting polio over the course of a lifetime. It's offered lifetime protection. So that we've been conditioned to view vaccines as something that's helpful and, and to a certain degree, rightfully so. They have been helpful. Now, as more data is analyzed and studies published about the COVID jab, it becomes more and more clear that these pokes are potentially harmful to the body. They do not prevent the disease, and they do not prevent the spread of the virus, and that it's highly likely that they put undue pressure on the virus to evolve more quickly than it might have otherwise. That's that's just a fact. Unfortunately, all the studies come from overseas because nobody in America wants to do science anymore. And the ones that do get shouted down by the lunatics in the media and, and the, the, the pandemic, the, the, the pandemic panic merchants here. Even Dr. Robert Malone, the person most familiar with the mRNA technology, has not been able to escape the fact check army. Now, Politico gave a false rating to this. It was a statement or a a TikTok video that was posted on January 3rd of this year. It shows footage of Dr. Robert Malone saying that when children are given vaccines for COVID-19, a viral gene will be injected into your children's cells. This gene forces your child's body to make toxic spike proteins. These proteins often cause permanent damage in the child's critical organs. If anybody knows intimately what's going on with this technology, with this jab, it's Dr. Robert Malone. He created the technology. He knows what the technology is. He knows what it does and does not do yet. He has been given, a video of him has been given a false rating on a fact check for explaining what the jab is doing inside of someone's body. Again, wouldn't he be the most knowledgeable about it? We don't do actual science anymore. Anybody with the counter-narrative with actual facts is shouted down. He's the most knowledgeable. I mean, he's only it's only been a major part of his research and his life's work. Wouldn't he be the expert? We always get told, listen to the experts. Well, he's the expert. And now we're being told not to listen to him. And, and the media and, 
our, our elitist overlords wonder why people won't listen to them. They wonder why their poll numbers are trash. This is why they don't stick to a consistent story. They don't live in facts and reality. So as a result, people eventually get tired of listening to this garbage or wake up and realize they've been lied to, get pissed off and stop listening to them and tell these jokers to go pound sand. And now there's one other statement from the NewsGuard report I'd like to cover here. And another really interesting and Captain Obvious one, I think, or once you hear it. Researchers found that TikTok's own search tool seems designed to steer users to false claims in some cases. Uh, Yeah, again, not a surprise. The app is run and basically owned by the CCP. You don't think they're going to not steer people towards misinformation to sow discord and, and promote false narratives and do what they can to use TikTok to further their own power and influence within the world and within our own country. You, you don't think that's gonna, not going to happen uh, with, a, with an app owned by the CCP, that they're going to specifically point people to, to blatantly false claims and, and divisive rhetoric. I mean, come on. We needed a, a somebody to do a study on this. That's that's I guess common sense ain't common, right? Anyway, why would this be a surprise? The bigger issue is why nobody in the media is exposing this. If this is such a big deal, if we're so worried about misinformation and sowing misinformation and promoting false narratives, the media should be all over this, but they're not. Why not? Well, because it doesn't really serve their purpose, and that purpose being the destruction of Donald Trump and the MAGA movement. That's more important of a story than the threats to our republic and way of life by the CCP outright pointing people to blatantly false and divisive information on their platform. That's why that's not a bigger issue. That's why misinformation on TikTok is not a bigger issue to the the legacy media. These people are as much of a danger to our republic, the legacy media, as the traitors in our own government. That, that's just a fact. If you are listening to the audio-only show and your platform allows four reviews, please give us a five-star review. It helps others find the show. Whether you are listening to the audio version or viewing on Rumble or YouTube, hit the Rumble thumbs up, like button, whatever there may be. The more interactions we have, the more the show gets into the recommendations made by the algorithms and the more we are able to spread the truth. Okay, moving on. Apparently liberals like borders too. Yes, it's true. That's a fact. Liberals, Democrats like borders too. Well, we knew that. They put big fences and in, in, in walls around their, their estates and they live in gated communities. So we know they like borders. They're, they're, they're hypocrites. We know, but... It seems like the Martha's Vineyard set didn't like the Venezuelans coming in and third-worlding up their island. We don't have room for them, they said. We don't have jobs for them, they complain. False and false. This boils down to the fact that they had to stare in the face, literally in the face, the consequences of their crappy ideology, of their crappy voting habits. That's what this boils down to. They didn't like it. It made them uncomfortable. So they decided they needed to take action and get the Venezuelans off of their island. Uh, The Venezuelans showing up on Martha's Vineyard gave them the reminder 
that the southern border is indeed open, and, and, and that was delivered right to their little sanctuary community doorstep. That little reminder was delivered on a, a nice private jet by Ron DeSantis right to their doorstep. Now, the fact is, because they said, we don't have any rooms available, we don't have jobs, we blah, 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 we're not set up infrastructurized. It was 50 people. 50 people. These assholes on Martha's Vineyard get more than 50 people on a summer weekend coming to that island. We don't have the infrastructure, my ass. Give me a break. These people came up with the lamest excuses that you could have to, to say we don't want them here. Oh, we don't, we, don't have, we don't have room. We don't have this. We don't have that. We don't have infrastructure. Baloney. The fact is there are plenty of rooms available to house 50 people on that island. The racists of Martha's Vineyard didn't want to open up their gated estates to them. They didn't want to open up their, their, their beach houses. They didn't want to open up their guest houses. They didn't want to put tents up on their acres and acres of land for these people. Now, I did a quick check. I did a quick check of Airbnb to see what's available on, uh, on Martha's Vineyard. You know, can I rent something on Martha's Vineyard? There's plenty of guest rooms and guest houses available on Martha's Vineyard for a price. And so there's the other thing. Uh, yeah, you can stay here, but for a price. Venezuelans don't have any money. They weren't going to pay. Get them out of here. You want to come? You've got money? Sure, I'll rent my room to you. Hell, the Obama estate had seven bedrooms, and it's 30 acres. More than enough room to have 50 people camping on it, especially considering he had 200 people there for his famously maskless birthday party last year. Also, there's plenty of jobs. There are more than enough jobs. Just because they said we don't have jobs, that's a lie. Again, they're, they're making excuses. I'll link an Epic Times article about how there were at least at least 50 open jobs on the island. I'm not going to go into too much of that, but there were jobs available for 50 people on the island. And the other beautiful piece of this, and the beautiful in a sense of it's illustrating just the constant hypocrisy of the left, of Democrats, is that Democrats are calling DeSantis and uh, Governor Abbott in Texas, human traffickers. And they're calling for the prosecution of each. Uh, a Massachusetts state congressman named William Keating, who, oh, by the way, represents Martha's Vineyard, says that history does not look kindly on leaders who treat human beings like cargo, loading them up and sending them a 1,000 miles away without telling them their destination. Now, there's a problem for William Keating, the problem for him is that Ron DeSantis had the migrants sign waivers outlining where they were going. Ron DeSantis took volunteers that to, to put on these on the on the plane to Martha's Vineyard. He gave them brochures telling them of the resources they could look up on Martha's Vineyard. So this William Keating statement doesn't hold any weight. They were told their destination. These 50 raised their hand and said, sure, we'll go. And they went. It's, it's interesting. The other interesting piece here is Democrats, how they suddenly have memory loss about how the Biden regime has been shipping migrants all over the country, all over the country, under cover of night. 
Now that, that action seems more like human trafficking. In fact, that's kind of how the cartels operate. They operate under the cloak of darkness. So nobody, they do it while you're sleeping, so nobody knows anything. I mean, isn't that, and they put them on, you know, some big planes. Isn't that treating them like human cargo too? You're, You're loading up a plane. Maybe maybe the government told them where they were going. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, let's just say they did for the sake of comparing apples to apples here. But if they even if they did, why are they doing it under cover of night? Why did the Biden regime do it under cover of night? That seems very human trafficky to me. DeSantis gave these folks a nice day, uh, a nice daytime flight, that is to Martha's Vineyard. He didn't even make them stay up and or wake them up at, at an ungodly time of the night. He, he said, here, here's a nice private jet. Get on it. It's a nice daytime flight. You don't have, you can stay within your, your normal sleep pattern and rhythm. He wasn't hiding what he was doing, not like Biden, the, the Biden regime was by trying to, to send people all over under the cover of darkness. So I don't, the, it's just a hypocrisy. There, there's, there's no way William Keating's statement holds up here. There's no way that Hillary Clinton's statement holds up that says they're human traffickers. They're not. They tell them where they're going and they take volunteers and they have them sign waivers. But it's, uh, there's another piece of this here. And we all, you could probably see it coming, but you know what, since, since these weren't, Ukrainian refugees here going to Martha's Vineyard. The the professional virtue signalers of Martha's Vineyard were uninterested in welcoming the Venezuelans in. Since they weren't Ukrainians, they, they had no interest in them. They didn't they didn't want to they didn't want anything to do with them. They said, Oh, you're third worlding it up here. No, uh here, where's the National Guard? Let's get them out of here. Now, those, there were a few. To be fair, there were a few. There was, I, I was watching Tucker last week. There was one lady, I think it was a Facebook post, that, that's put out there that, hey, Obamas, why don't you open up your, your estate to help these people? So there was one, at least one that wasn't about to kick them off the island right away. One out of how many are there, though, right? There were a few others that, you know, did at least make an attempt to be somewhat welcoming. They opened up their pantries. They let the the poor Venezuelans hang out on their their front porches, and they gave the migrants all the Fruit Loops and Frosted Flakes they could eat before they called in the National Guard to remove them from the island. Now, you, you can bet. You can bet that if DeSantis had sent Ukrainians in, not only would the guest houses and mansions been opened up there, but there would have been all-you-can-eat lobster and chowda meals being served. You can bet that. That's a fact. Take it to the bank. These people, these, these professional virtue signalers are fakes and frauds, and as expected, when they are, are put face-to-face with the results of their crummy ideology, they look for the quickest way to remove themselves from the situation and the consequences of their actions. Okay, finishing up for today. Biden has declared the pandemic over. Deplorables, you are now free to go back to your regularly scheduled lives. And since we are coming up on midterms, don't forget to vote in your favorite Democratic corruptocrat since Biden has just done this wonderful thing for his subjects of declaring the pandemic finally being over. 
Now, of course, Biden had to keep the door open on the Rona, saying we still have a problem with it. But, yeah, the pandemic's over and for now, probably till after midterms. We see a spike and they'll, they'll try things again. You, you can bet on that. Yeah, it was basically over, though, the pandemic. After the jabby jabs failed to stop the spread, after masks failed to stop the spread, after social distancing failed to stop the spread, pandemic was over then. And and it was really over when you had a critical mass of the population that got sick, that caught the virus, recovered, had natural antibodies. And we'll say, yeah, maybe the the, the jabs were effective a little bit, right? But not as effective as a natural immunity. That's a, that's a fact. You can go look at the studies. So it's, it's just the same story, right? It's a, this about control. Now here's the truth because Biden's statement wasn't the most popular thing in the world, especially among those who have been clinging to power, the power of the pandemic. The only ones wringing their hands over the uh, scamdemic being dead are the pharma, big pharma people, executives, and the health bureaucrats who have never had so much power in their life and will never have so much power ever again. We should have hopefully learned that lesson that you don't give unelected, power-hungry bureaucrats any sort of power over the population whatsoever. Those are the people that are wringing their hands over this declaration. Most of the population, we'll see in a minute, has gone back to living their life, and they did so a long time ago, more and more joining those ranks every day. For the vast majority of people, the pandemic has been over, had been over once it was noted that the jabs were a failure. Once that data started coming out, once people said, hey, I got the the first shot, the second shot, the third shot. Hey, hell, even I got the fourth shot and I got sick or I got sick three times. That's when the pandemic ended. That's when people knew that this was a scam from the beginning that This stuff didn't work. Nothing they did worked. And they said, screw it, the pandemic's over. As far as I'm concerned, I'll get sick, I get sick. If I don't, great. Hopefully I don't have any risk factors. If I do, well, maybe those people did take the the shot then. Fine, whatever. This is purely a political play on Biden's part to declare it over, though. He left the door open to further action by saying we still have a a problem with COVID. He left open the possibility of "Eh, we might need some more money. Eh, We might need to do some more lockdowns. We might have to have some masks on federal lands again, whatever. It's a political through and through, political move through and through. Even if there were to be a huge spike in cases ahead of the midterms, Dems would not take any action until after the midterms because COVID is too politically toxic at this point. And honestly, they only have themselves to blame for that. They only have themselves and their misinformation, their constant wanting to to control the the people through tyrannical means, the subverting of the Constitution, the suspension of constitutional rights in the name of a virus, showed that this was nothing more than political a political play to get, just try and gain more and more power. People aren't going to have it anymore. They're not. The health bureaucrats are doing their best to hang on to whatever influence they may have left. Most people have tuned them out. We know they're fakes and frauds. Dr. Fauci's still, you know, flip-flopping like he's a fish on a pier right now, even to this day. Uh, People have tuned them out, too. Nobody's going to listen to them. And it's a shame because what if something, again, we've covered this before, what if something serious happens where it's actually, uh, we actually need to mobilize the, 
you know, the populace to, to do something that's in the best interest of, of the whole. That's all lost. Nobody's going to listen to these jokers anymore. Is that, would that be a very rare occasion? Yes, it would be very rare. This pandemic wasn't it. It's another, it was another flu virus and gets more and more cold virus like every day. People have tuned them out. So but between the, the health bureaucrats, pharma, big pharma and the media, you've got all these jokers to trying to still have people take this ineffective jab, saying it's the best way to avoid serious disease and hospitalization. It's not. Maybe if you have risk factors, yes, as a whole. If you have no risk factors, you're a normal, healthy human being, especially if you're under, I don't know, what, 25, 30, whatever it is, you're really not at risk for anything. People are are tired of it. They've seen it doesn't work. Americans are not lining up to get the boosters anymore. And pharma sees this, the, the money, the money trains, just about left the, the station here and driven off the cliff because the track wasn't finished because they lied to us. So everybody was like, well, no, done with this. People aren't lining up for those boosters anymore. And it's noted, uh, there, it's noted in the CNN piece. I'll link it in the description box. Here's what it says. It's part of a, a, a bigger study um, by uh, Axios, I believe. It says this, there's a clear lag among Americans getting vaccine booster shots. Most of the country has gotten vaccinated. I talked to several people, my doctor, a few doctors. I dispute that. It's most of the country. The numbers are probably more like (laughs) 50-50. But 51, I guess if it's 51%, you can say most of the country. But notice how they don't even put a percentage in here now. Well, most of the country. Just most of the country. The word game. So most of the country has gotten vaccinated, but less than half of those eligible have gotten the first booster. So you have half of the eligible people that just said, no, I'm not getting a booster. The first two shots didn't work. This booster ain't going to work. Why would I do that? Why would I stick more of this crap in my body? And that's a, that is actually according to CDC data. So Take that for what's worth. Again, I don't believe for a second that's most of the country. If, if anything, it's a slight majority based on the on a, kind of the unofficial polling I've done myself of my my surroundings. It also says this. So going on, it says polls suggest that some parents of kids under five now eligible for the vaccine are skeptical of getting it for their children. of those parents said they would definitely not get their child vaccinated. So we're creeping up on 50% of eligible uh, children, their parents saying, nah, we're not getting this jab. We're not poking our kid with this crap. And that's according to a Kaiser Family Foundation survey done in July. Yeah, many are skeptical. People are rightfully skeptical. They've seen this doesn't work. They've seen, again, the media and and, Democrats Democrats mostly, yeah, I was probably right in saying that. I caught myself, but I was probably right in saying that. Democrats, there's probably some Republicans in there too peddling the, the vaccine. But many people are skeptical. They've seen it's, it, well, it doesn't work. People are not going to keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Why would I keep sticking this needle in my arm with this mRNA technology that made me sick the first time around that's had all kinds of issues not logged in the VAERS database that people are dying from blood clots from. Well, why would I keep sticking that in my arm? It doesn't going to do anything. The boosters aren't going to prevent disease. The 
original vaccine didn't prevent the disease. That's the sole purpose of a vaccine is to prevent disease. A vaccine is taken so you won't get sick. So you don't get sick. That's what a vaccine's for. It's taken because it will prevent an illness altogether. So you don't get it. That is the purpose. But people have figured out and said that uh, this census doesn't work. They figured out, well, the first two shots didn't work. The third one ain't going to work either. Screw the boosters. I'm not getting one. The new variant booster is essentially a guess at what will remain the dominant variants of the coronavirus, of COVID. That, it's what it is. Let's be honest. This thing's evolved over time. They're saying, oh, well, we've got these boosters for the last two variants. You know, guess what, though? That's great. You've got this booster. Oh, we can cover and and provide some some protection against the last two variants. We had, well, guess what? The virus mutates, so it won't cover the mutation. We're talking about the flu here. Now, we've got a critical mass of people that have either contracted one of the last two variants, maybe both in some cases. Unfortunately, that's probably happened. We've got people that contracted the original earlier variants. We've got people that have been jabbed. It's a good bet that BA4 and BA5 or whatever they're calling them become BA6. And then the panic merchants will sound the alarm about a new outbreak and a fast spreading variant. It'll happen, right? We're coming in. It's fall. First day of fall today. It's we're, we're coming into season where people are going to be spending more time inside. You get sick more from spending more time inside. The, it's going to happen. There's going to be the new variant because, oh, well, that's what it does. It's a virus. It's going to virus. So you get the panic merchants that will start anew. Now, at this point, though, I think for most people, it'll be basically when that starts up, it'll be the the boy who cried wolf, right? We have such a, a, a good data set on the virus at this point. We know that each successive mutation, while appearing to be more transmissible than it is, it's been much less lethal and has caused, by and large, less severe disease. Now, again, you have risk factors. If you have the right risk factors, the, uh, the flu can be very, uh, very harmful to you, can cause death. We know it does. Even, even something as, as simple as a, as a common cold in someone with the right set of immune deficiencies, it can be very serious for them. So, the, the, but the, by and large, the, the majority of the population, it's going to, they're going to see less severe disease. People are returning to their regularly scheduled lives. Some have done so much sooner than others. And I have an Axios poll here. It's part of that CNN article I'll link, but it illustrates this fact that people are saying, yeah, skip it. You know, what, what am I doing? Why, why am I still wasting my time worrying about a virus that has a 99 plus percent uh, rate of survival? That wasn't anywhere near as bad as what we were told. Remember, it's sad. It's you, we have a, th- a million COVID-related deaths. I'll say a million COVID-related because the majority of those people haven't didn't die uh, with. They died with COVID. They didn't die because of it. They had other risk factors, but that is much less than what they were saying. And that's what over almost three years into this thing now. That's much less than the 2 million they said we're going to die in the first year or six months or whatever it was. So I, we're talking about a million deaths over three years now, and the, the actual death rate in this country hasn't ticked up a bit. 
instead of marking these as, as uh, you know, diabetes deaths or heart disease deaths, the person contracted COVID and they marked it as a COVID death instead of a heart disease death. That's what's going on here. Now, back to the Saxios poll anyway. So most Americans, in fact, 57%, uh, said in an Axios survey released this month that they are at least somewhat concerned about the virus. Okay, fine. I, I'm sure there's people concerned about the flu out there. People are concerned about getting sick. So that, that's, the, that's the whole thing about this is they're concerned about the virus. What does that exactly mean? Does that mean they're concerned about getting sick? Does that mean they're concerned about the severity of it? it, it very nebulous. So Take this for a grain, what it is, a grain worth a grain of salt. But they said 57% in this poll. So they were somewhat concerned about the virus. Okay, somewhat concerned even. So it's, uh, you know, a, a sliding skill, probably somewhat concerned, concerned and very concerned. Um, so you have 50% of people falling on that scale, fine, whatever. But out of that, so you have 57% that said, hey, yeah, I'm kind of concerned about this somewhat. The rest of the poll, though, is is a interesting uh, read into the, the mindset of, of the American people. So we have 57%, yeah, concerned. But a minority of those surveyed, 28%, said they social distance in the last week. It seems kind of high, but we'll cover that in a second. A somewhat larger minority, 37%, said they had worn a mask more than occasionally. And a strong majority said they had gone out to eat. 64% of those surveyed said they had gone out to eat. Great, get back to life. Do your thing. Nearly half of people, 46%, said they had con, uh, had returned to their pre-COVID-19 lifestyle. Now, what would be interesting to see is the breakdown of the cities and states of this Axios poll. Where did they get this data from? Because some of these numbers seem high to me, especially in the, the social distancing and mask-wearing realms. Now, I know I don't see 37% of the people I encounter in public wearing masks, and I haven't seen probably that many for a year plus. And it's not, you know, not only, I live in a rural area, so, it's, you know, we, we tend to have a different mindset anyway. But as I've gone to the big cities and, and the, the smaller cities around where you would expect to see more of the mask wearing and things like that, uh, the social distancing, whatever, I haven't even seen 37% of the people there wearing masks. And I live where I live. Yes, it's rural, but I live between two major cities where you would expect these types of numbers to come from. And I have not observed in, in my own uh, you know, personal experiences 37% of the people out there wearing masks. You get one or two here or there, and that's it. Now, again, this, this Axios poll, it's a, a point of reference. Take it with a grain of salt, the numbers in it. But the one thing you can you can count on is it's a good illustration of why polling is by and large hot garbage if you you can make a poll say whatever you want basically uh, by whether intentionally or not uh, they ask leading questions it, it, it's a good reminder this axios poll why we shouldn't let polls influence our perceptions of what is actually going on because our personal observations are much better indicators like i said I've, I have not seen 37. If I lined up 30 or 100 people just within my area here, there wouldn't be 37 of them wearing a mask. There wouldn't be 28% of them saying, oh, don't stand me too close to that person. I want a social distance. There, there just wouldn't be. So take it as a point of reference, and, and that's about it. Uh, it it's showing a trend towards people getting back 
to life as normal. Uh, the pandemic has long been over for most people. Like I said, it's been long over. People have started seeing the failures of the, the mitigation efforts and said, screw it, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do it anymore. Biden declaring it over is pomp and circumstance. It's merely pre-midterm politics. The regime and Democrats have nothing to run on. They've, they're running against Trump. Even even a lot of the localish races, state races, they're running against Trump. They're not running for anything. They're running against Trump. They're running against America first, which is a losing proposition. They have nothing to run on. So they're trying to generate some positive feelings towards the Democrat Party heading into midterms by saying, yeah, the pandemic, it's over. We're done. Go back to life as normal. Sorry, we screwed your life up for the last three years. That's what this is about. Political play, power play, nothing else. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.